Talk Radio.
Well, I don't know what happened to Russ, but he had about three or four more minutes to play. Can you hear that, Brother Louis? Let's see what's going on. Okay, he going to tell me if he can hear me in a few minutes. Oh, uh-uh, that's what happened. All right, we're moving right along this morning, y'all. I am so happy to be back, so happy to be back. Oh, he said he only hear music. Where's Russ playing? Stop it, I say. Okay, can you hear me now, Brother Louis? Let me know if you can hear me. If not, I'm going to have to move on. Well, let's get prayer going. Lord, open up these airways and let them be able to hear today in Jesus' name. God, we're grateful. Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God. Because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence. Because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life. Eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch Every person that have come seeking you, Lord, bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, Touch us on today, Lord. Uh, We need you like never before. Uh, Fill us
us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, uh, we can leave with your anointing, Lord, uh, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, uh, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Uh, we thank you because you are a healer. Uh, you're the God that healeth thee, uh, and healing is in your wings, uh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Uh, you're able to save our troubled souls, uh, and in the name of Jesus, uh, bind every demon, Lord, uh, every demonic force, Lord, uh, God that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord, uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find, God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you, Lord, uh, because we know for every right desire, uh, there is an answer. Uh, and Jesus, you're that answer. Uh, there's no need for us, God, uh, to turn hither or thither, Lord. Uh, we need but to look for you, Lord, uh, because you're the answer, God, uh, for our troubled lives, Lord. Uh, touch on the day, God. Uh, break every yoke, oh God. Uh, save on the day, God. Uh, deliver on the day, God. Uh, Jesus, we need you, Lord. Uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, we're crying out to you, Lord. Uh, we know that you're able uh, to save our souls. Uh, we know that you're able, God, uh, to heal our bodies, Jesus. Uh, we know that you're able, God, uh, to turn our situations around. Uh, Jesus, uh, no other help we know. Uh, no other help we know. Uh, no other help we know, God. Uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to deliver our children. Uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to save the unsaved husband. Uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to heal the cancer patient. Uh, nothing too hard uh, for you, Jesus. Uh, no other God we know. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we say yes to your will, God. Uh, yes to your way, Lord. Uh, have your way, Jesus. Uh, and we'll thank you for it. Uh, and we'll give your name the praise. Uh, and we'll bless you, Lord. Uh, yes, we thank you, Lord. Uh, and we bless your holy name. Uh, come on, open your mouth uh, and give the Lord some praise. Yeah. <laughs> 
Be a man if I say that one more time. <laughs> just not a man who just believe in divorcing 
He won't just come in and divorce them because I've done a, a few bad things. He said he would forgive me if I would ask for it. He's faithful just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. What a man. And so we're thankful unto Almighty God this morning to be here today. I'm grateful to be back. I left and went to Birmingham, Alabama for four days. <laughs> and I tell you, I had a kind of, and I'm going to say a kind of wonderful time. And I got a lot of phone calls while I was there, and I did a little bit of work while I was there. But hopefully this month, later on in the month, I can go back and go back for vacation. No phone calls, no no nothing. Yeah, I will be safe because I have a driver with me who will drive me there, and uh, I drive part of the way, they drive part of the way. Yeah, I'm working on that. I'm working on that right now. And so I want to go back, but I want to go back in peace. I want to go back with no phones. Yeah, just go and enjoy whatever I'm going to enjoy and have a restful, peaceful, wonderful vacation for a change. Hallelujah. And it is already all right in Jesus' name. Ian come down through, and uh, I didn't know what it would do, and I used it as an excuse to go to Birmingham. And uh, <laughs> Because I knew if I had stayed here, nothing was going to happen, if I'm honest. But I used that as an excuse to go, because you, you, you can't never tell what a hurricane will do, a tornado will do, you don't know. The weather people, they predicting it, and all. the devil is the prince of the air, and God is the one that have all power. He determines. But I got up out of here, came back safe and sound, and when I got back, nothing I could see was wrong with my house. Yeah, I didn't see no debris. Uh, if it was some, which I'm sure it was, the neighbors cleaned it up in the front of my house. When I looked out back, no trees down, no nothing. I could tell on top of the pool, you know, it had rained on the top, on the pool, you know, the pool cover. I could see, you know, a little water had settled there. Then when I look on the Lanai floor, I can see that the wind had been through there, but it went straight through the screen. And so I'm grateful unto God for what he did for me during this hurricane thankful unto him. And sometimes we are very careful in Florida because another one will come right behind that one. Yeah. But we praying that the Lord don't allow it. Yeah. But in this thing, it tore up down in the uh, Naples area all down in there. And I say, my goodness, I wonder what uh, Port St. Lucie looked like all down in there. But I know God have a purpose and a plan, and if he allowed it, we just have to accept what God allowed. Who, who's able to change it? Who, who could change it? It happens, now you're going to change it. Let me see you change this. You can't. Oh, you can clean up afterwards. But what took place, you can't undo that. It's already done. <laughs> and he's got the last word. So we accept what he allowed, and he has yet blessed us, and I believe he will bless those people that was affected by it. My daughter, Tree, fell through her roof in the bathroom, fell through the roof in the granddaughter bedroom, through the window. Yeah. And so they had to get out of there. I tried to get them to leave, but they refused. So they was in the house when all this was taking place and had to get out of there. Hallelujah. 
God is faithful. God is faithful. And if he speaks, we we become faithful. Yeah, if he speaks, we want to obey what he said. And we are better off. But some people can't hear from him. Yeah, they can't hear the voice of the Lord. And he speaks to all of us. Many people chase behind the prophet and the prophetess. But God has spoken to you many times. You just didn't have a spiritual ear to hear what the spirit was saying to you, the church. Ah, yeah, hallelujah. It ever come to you real strong to do something, and when you did it, you were truly blessed? The spirit of the Lord was speaking. You know, you thought it was just you having this strong desire, you were just going to do it, and it turned out good. No, God was speaking. So we have to have an ear to hear. Now, Barbara, how do I get the ear to hear? You got to fellowship and commune with him often. And you got to let your way of thinking go. Yeah. Let this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're thankful unto him. Yeah, uh, uh, they're still evacuating people in Kissimmee and St. Cloud as the lakes and rivers continue to rise. Yeah, my son, he moved out of Kissimmee about six months ago, I think it's been, and he moved into Orlando. So he's no longer in Kissimmee, but the church is still there. Yeah. And his wife is a pastor now. So, you know, I, I check on them. I talked with him last night, and uh, they, they, they appear to be good. But we will be in prayer for those that live in Kissimmee and St. Cloud area. Yeah, because if you go to, uh, that's not Garden Street. Oh, I forgot the name of the street. But if you go there. And uh, when you come off of uh, Arlo Brunson, which is 1792, I think that is. Is that 1792? No, that's Osceola Parkway. And you make a right, and you go down. Or you keep OBT straight down the main street. And you make a left, that'll take you right into St. Cloud. Yeah. Uh, Mount is in Orlando, and she said, Orlando has a lot of flooding. I'm sure because there are some low areas there. There are some low areas. But we're praying for all of these people. We're praying for them that God would bless and uh, continue to take care of them. Those who need to evacuate will have somewhere to go and all of this kind of stuff. And so we're just thankful um, unto the Lord. Yeah. And see, that's who we got to look to. Yeah, he's in control. We is nothing we can do. Yeah, but trust him. And it's him that brings us through. It's him that sent us these workers, emergency workers. Shelters open, places open. They even have places set up where you can just go get food. You know, you can walk there and they'll fix your plate because you've been evacuated. So we thank God for all of this. All of this we thank him for. Yeah, thank him for bringing us safe. Through this hurricane could have been so much worse hallelujah but he's yet on our side today in spite of us and we just keep on keeping on in jesus hallelujah so listen today um we're going to hear testimony uh about doubting god and then he show up yeah we're going to hear that testimony look it's a good thing for the believer to go back and reflect 
as often as you remember, go back and reflect. It's a good thing for the believer to take self-inventory daily. As often as we can remember, take self-inventory. And what that means, we're looking at us. I'm not looking at the pastor. I'm not looking at the sisters and brothers in the church. I'm not looking at the musician, the choir, the drama. Uh -uh. I am looking at me today. The songwriter said, it's me, it's me. It's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, not my sister or my brother. But it's me today that's standing in the need of prayer. Why? Because when I took self-inventory, I found there were some things still in me that wasn't in Jesus. Because we're comparing ourselves. Uh, this is how we'll know that we are on the right track. Track, we're measuring ourselves up against his son, Jesus. And this is why we pray that God would let this mind be in us that was also in his son, Christ Jesus. Why is that, Barbara? Because Jesus simply wanted to please the Father in everything that he was doing, everything that he did. He told us, listen. I'm doing what my father told me to do, and I'm doing what my father taught me to do. These things that you see, it come from the father. This is what he taught me. This is what I know. This is not of me. I didn't come of me. I didn't come for me. I didn't come because of me. But I've come to do the will of him that sent me. Well, who sent him? The father, almighty God, Jehovah. He sent them, gave them a mission, gave him work to do, and he was not stopping until it was done. And then he knew that he had a deadline. He knew that his time on earth would end. And he knew that after he gave up the ghost, that was it for the earth. Once they hung him up, crucified him, that was it. He went on back to be with the father. But he left promises. He left his word. And his word is better than gold. His word is pure. It's solid. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And not only his word, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to him, come to the Father, except through the Son, Jesus Christ. You got to go through his Son to get to him. And it's him because of them, I should say. We have these wonderful testimonies. I can testify from 1993 and before up until 2022. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's everlasting. He's the lover of our souls. He's for us today is whether or not we are for him, but he is already for us. Before we entered our mother's womb, he died for us. When we was yet sinners, he died for us. He died before everybody. So we're going to hear some testimony this morning about doubting God. And the day is it, it, just because we see so many doubters. 
We see a lot of people that have no respect for God, his word, his people, and nothing else. They don't even have respect for themselves. And I often say it with Barbara, if they don't have respect for them, how could you expect them to have respect for anything or anybody else? Because everybody's telling everybody today, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. Today, you don't have to act like a human being. You don't have to have human decency and human morals. You can be a fool and be respected today. I mean, you can be an absolute idiot and be respected. You can be confused. You can be messed up in your head and will have a following. People will follow you. I mean, a lot of people, thousands, sometimes millions will follow you and you messed up in your head. Listen, folk have unforgiveness in them, true unforgiveness. And guess what? They think they should go to their grave with the unforgiveness. But the word of God says if we don't forgive, he can't forgive us. They don't believe. They don't want to believe. Many hate the truth. They hate the truth so much until it will make them kill you because they hate it. They don't want to hear nothing about it. They say, if you're the preacher, uh, stay in your lane and mind your business. But if you're confused, if you messed up, if you doubt, and you are my business. God sent me, just like he sent his son, Jesus. He sent the believer seeking that which is lost. So we go to seek that which is lost. Listen, listen. prayer is one of the greatest tools God has ever given us. Do you know we are talking to Almighty God? Hey, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, Thank you, Lord. Thank you today. We are talking to Almighty God that have all power. Do you know that the God who made the heavens and the earth when you pray? And look, he is such a kind and merciful and gracious God that you you can be driving down the street and talking to him. He like us going up in that prayer closet because that way you got time, you're not rushed, you have patience to talk with him. And it's not always about the needs. It's not always about the wants. Sometimes we just talk to him because we feel comfortable in talking to him. He's somebody I can tell everything to and I never hear about it again. He's not a gossiper. He's not one to spread what you told him. But we can pray anywhere. He made this available to us. He said, come, let us reason together even. Come unto me, all that are burdened and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But we can't pray and doubt. And we can't doubt and pray. You got to let one or the other go. Pray believing not only does God hear you, but he loves you enough to do something about your situation because he so loved the world. 
He loved the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet sent his only begotten son. Knowing what would take place. He already knew how this world was. He already knew this world had nothing for his son. He already knew that the world way of thinking, ungodly people way of thinking, is the more I get, the better I'm going to be. That's the way they think. They give us to what they feel uh, will give back to them. Even in sports, they will buy tickets and pay big money to go to sports games because of the way it's going to make them feel. They pay much money many times for bragging rights so I can say my team won. Foolishness, nonsense. Jesus is the way, listen this morning, the truth and the life. Listen, and he's my life. But look, he's the way. Anything else is no good. And if we don't have Jesus in our lives, we out of gas. We messed up. We messed up. We confused. We doubted. We don't really know. We depend on people that's not right. You, you have people full of unforgiveness preaching and teaching. You have people who don't know how to love nobody, but they preaching and teaching. And a whole bunch of followers. You got folks, they fake, they never receive Jesus. They somebody else. But they worked in the church, they played the organ, they played the piano, they sung or whatever, and the church paid them. And they got in a position where they can do better for themselves. They think. So they, they talking a whole different talk about God, doubting, doubting. But I remember Brother Lance used to sing this, you can't make me doubt him. <laughs> you can't make me doubt him. You can't make me doubt him in my heart. Oh, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. <laughs> you can't make me doubt him in my heart. Yeah, I feel like running on with that right there. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so we're thankful unto him this morning. And those of us that he has drawn, we should be careful and make sure we have a prayer life and a Bible study life. Because of this, if he drew you, oh, you are something. Oh, because if you look out there, Everybody haven't been drawn to him. When he draw us to him, he want us to seek him with our whole heart. He don't want us leaning to our own understanding. But in all our ways, he want us to acknowledge him. He's going to direct your path. Come out your flesh. Tell God to lead and guide you in the spirit. Lord, I don't want to be like nobody else. But I want my spiritual ear to open. Open my spiritual ear so I can hear what you're saying to me. Open my spiritual eyes so I can see when you're moving. So I move not before you, not after you, but I will move while you're moving. Lord, forgive my unbelief. 
Help my unbelief. Help me not to doubt ever, God. Help me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are. And that you are rewarded to them that diligently, constantly, continually, always seeking you. Man ought to always pray the scripture say and not faint. That's what a believer this morning. And we can't doubt. Stop doubting. Stop depending on yourself. They got a lot of that self-teaching today. Oh, you got to depend on you. No, I don't. I got to depend on God. I'm not stable enough to depend on me. I overthink things. My mind will be coming and going. I can't depend on me. I'm not stable. But I can depend on God. I can depend on his son, Jesus Christ, the mediator, who take my prayers to the Father. He takes my petition to God, and I believe because that son brought it. <laughs> hey, he going to answer. I believe because I'm no longer of the world. And I gave my petition to the mediator, and God so loved me when, the, when it's only the God bring that petition. And I'm his daughter now. God is going to answer. I no longer choose the club. I no longer choose to fornicate. I, I, I no longer choose to get high, no kind of way, get drunk. I, I, I gave the devil back all his tools. I'm upbeat. I'm uplifted in Jesus. I don't need a drink. Not to be uplifted. You know, I, I hear people, even people that say they're Christian, oh, this thing got on my nerves so bad I need a drink. What? He didn't say everything was going to be easy. But it's doable, and it can be done. He sent his son Jesus to show us that it can be done. But we got to cast our cares upon him because he's the one that cares for us. I see many cats that care upon their boyfriend, their husband, their mama, their dad, everybody else. But I want to cast my cares upon Jesus because he cares for me. And he proved it to me. No mama, no daddy, no boyfriend, no husband, no friend. Nobody suffered, hung, bled, died, conquered all and rose with all power but Jesus. So I'm going to cast my cares upon him all because he truly cares for me. Yeah, when we look at these great and precious promises, we shouldn't doubt. I'm the head and not the tail. Oh, the list is endless. I'm above and not beneath. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that loves me. Huh? Ah. He looks beyond fault and yet meet need. Again, this morning, I'm going to say he's on our side in spite of us. Looking beyond what you did. Because even after coming to the altar and saying, I do him, getting what they call saved, receiving him as my Lord and Savior, believing, after all of that, there's still some things that's not right. That's why we take self-inventory. This is why we acknowledge him in all our ways. 
praying that he direct our path, believing that he direct in our path. But this is serious business. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. I got to bring both my feet over into God and let the world have its trouble because the world is full of trouble. My days are easy. My days are good. No matter what come my way, if I let go, God picks it up and he make it better. I, I lost a, a young man yesterday. I, I felt like I lost my one of my sons. His mom and I, we friends for many years when he was a boy. His mom and I were friends, and she is a good friend. Yes, she is. When I was on the road traveling, I would call her, and I would say, hey, I don't have no more money. I've run out of money. I'm hungry. I'm this, I'm that. She said, well, come by the house and get a plate, and I'm going to scrape up what I can for you because I, I don't have much money. I would go by there and eat. She would give me money, give me clothes, and I would tell her, I'm going to see you on this and that. I'll call you. On I wouldn't get a chance to do it. I know she would be a little upset, but I'm her friend, and she loved me. She didn't hold it against me. If I had to come back to her again, she never turned me away. And her son, her oldest son, passed away. Now, that kind of shocked me a little bit. I was not looking for that one. So I talked to her last night, and I'm going over today. I didn't know that she was trying to call me, but I was in Alabama, and she got the office number. She didn't have my cell number. So yesterday, I see it on Facebook, and this happened Saturday. I said, what? And so I couldn't even think of the mama number. So I hit the sister up that posted it. He only have one sister, Mitra. And she said, yeah, yesterday morning about 10 o'clock, mama was trying to call you. I said, okay, uh, uh, send me your mama number and address. I couldn't even remember. The, I, look, that one took me now. That one threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that. See, my daughter, God prepared me. But for him, he didn't prepare. We called him Jabbo, or both. <laughs> And he had a special name for me, and everybody know me by name. And I said, boy, you done brand me. He told me, that's who you is. And he used to call me Chili Mo. That was my nickname for him. Yeah, we have a lot of wonderful memories when he was a young boy. Yeah, and his mom and I, his mom would come in from work. He would bring his friends to the house. But see, it had to be supervised. So I was, the, you know, the adult man. So when he brought his friends, I couldn't let them all through her house. The, the farthest they could go is the living room. You couldn't even go to the kitchen. And if you had to go to the bathroom, go home. Because his mother's here. I'm just a chaperone when she's away. And so all his friends would be in the living room. But he, he would say, hey, uh, chilling mobile about to tell us a story. All his friends would come. Or he had a lot of friends. And I would be lying to them. Yes, I, I'm telling you the truth. I would be. I told them I was uh, Lionel Rich's girlfriend, and then I met Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson had more money than Lionel Rich. And look, these children, they believed every word. <laughs> when the mom got home, 
the, 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 the son that passed away was telling his mom, did you know Chili Mo used to go with Michael Jackson? His mama just looked and said, mm-hmm. <laughs> she had a huge watermelon, and she was carrying it into the kitchen. Mama, she left Lionel Richie and got with Michael Jackson, she said, mm-hmm. <laughs> And so she set the watermelon down, and I said, why don't you cut the watermelon and, you know, let me get a little piece? She said, well, why don't Michael Jackson got more money than I got? Why don't you get your watermelon from Michael Jackson? Look. <laughs> and we both laughed until we cried over that thing. Yeah, stuff like that, you know. And, and this goes way back. So when you really know people, and that her brother, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to have a good relationship with a family because they take you as a part of their family. And no matter when I went to this woman, what I went to her about, if she could help me, this is what. And she always come, come over here, I'm cooking crab because I love a crab boil. And she told me last night, I was really trying to get a hold of you earlier in the week. Uh, before the hurricane really hit, because we was boiling crabs, and I wanted you to come and eat as many as you wanted to. So I said all of that to say this. Keep the Bronner family lifted in prayer. Intercessors, I really need y'all praying for them. Pray for their strength. Pray for their strength. And they were in the church. They were in the church. They believe us. And I believe God is going to strengthen them. Oh, yeah, and it's all right. And this young man, he would call his mom and tell his mom, hey, tell Chili Mo this young man is in prison. He don't have no family. He don't he don't know where his family at, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. See what she can do to help him. That's the way he was. Yeah, he was a giver in his own way. Yeah, in his own way, he was a giver. And so we thank God. We thank God that we can pray. Uh-huh, for this family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, Pastor David. We're lifting him up in prayer, and it's his family, his mom and his sister. Y'all lift him up in prayer as well. Lift his wife up, Fion. Lift her up in prayer. Hallelujah. We want to lift Sister Dot up in prayer because whatever affects them will affect her because she loved them. Yeah. Oh, she loved that son-in-law. <laughs> You know, it's a special mother-in-law that love her. He got to be a good son, yeah, in order for that mother-in-law to love him. So y'all keep Sister Dot lifted up as well. Sister Jerry, keep her lifted up in prayer. Yeah, she's taking care of some things today uh, business-wise for her household. So we want to keep her lifted in prayer. Hallelujah. God is faithful. God is faithful. If we'll talk to him about everything, he's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. Hallelujah. If we're trusting with all our heart, and if we don't lean to our own understanding, but pray before we make a move, acknowledge him in all our ways, he's going to direct our path. Hallelujah. And it's already all right today. In Jesus' name, we just have to believe it. Listen, I'm going to one more quick uh, request of the morning, and uh, when we come back, we're coming back with this one. I doubt it. I doubted Christianity until this happened. Yeah, we're coming back with that one. So we're going to a quick one, quick one, quick one, maybe two or three minutes. 
and uh, maybe four minutes, and we're coming back with our message of the day.
Hallelujah, Mr. Van Morrison, whenever God shine his light. So let's go in with our doubted Christianity until this happens. In that moment, I realized if I were to die today, and as a matter of fact, if I'm not already dead, I'm going to go to hell. And it is because of every decision I've made. It is because I decided to disobey God. It is because I decided to do drugs, because I decided to disobey, because I decided to do things my way and not to listen, not to seek counsel. And it was nobody else's. It was my responsibility. And in that moment, thinking to myself, like, if I'm bound for hell, what could save me? Who could save me? And God put this thought in my mind, Jesus, the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to save you, even from the clutches of hell even from any demonic power or forces. In that moment, that was the first time I've ever ever looked at Jesus as the answer. And in that moment, I thought, I, I need Jesus. So I actually was born in Honduras, and I immigrated to the U.S. when I was about three years old. Came here with my older sister and both of my parents and landed here in Maryland. So I've been here for probably the past, what, like 20 years more or less. I grew up in the church. Um, so my dad was actually an elder for as long as I can remember. He was a worship leader. He was a Bible teacher and preacher. So that was kind of, you know, my upbringing. I remember as a kid always going to Friday services, Sunday services, uh, even Tuesday services. You know, we had Tuesday services when we had, you know, all-nighters uh, where we would pray and worship the Lord. You know, I was there every retreat that they had. You know, I was, I was there. So that was my upbringing. So you could say that, like, I grew up within the church, you know, and that was really all that I knew. I grew up in a really sheltered home because my dad was an elder, because my mom served, you know, in the women's ministry. I was only allowed to listen to 91.9 or, like, gospel music CDs that my dad had or you know, there were only certain movies that I could watch. My parents would not let me sleep over at anybody's house. They wouldn't even let me go over to anybody's house unless they were Christians, right? So that was kind of my upbringing. And I wouldn't say that I had a bad upbringing as a kid. I had the liberty. I had the freedom, you know, to go out, ride on my bicycle, you know, enjoy my freedom as a kid. And when I think back about my childhood, I have memories that I really enjoy thinking about, you know, because it was a beautiful childhood. So when I got into middle school, this is when I actually started getting exposed to what the rest of the world outside of the church was like. Because when I got into middle school, I remember it was about seventh grade is when I had moved. I had moved from Gaithersburg to Germantown, brand new school, just started making new friends. And this is around the time that, uh, that actually the economy crashed. If anyone remembers like the recession of 08, 09, this was around that time where my parents had actually lost their home and we had to move from Gaithersburg where we had lost our home to Germantown. At the time, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that that was the reason why we moved. I just thought as an 11 year old kid, okay, we're moving, you know, wherever my dad says we, we are going, that's where we're going. And so remember when I moved seventh grade, brand new set of friends, you could say that I kind of hung out with the outliers. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't very outgoing socially, didn't have any talents that I knew of at the time. And it was uh, more of a reserved kid, so I didn't have really many friends. Seventh grade, I remember very clearly I had a camera, lights, and literacy class where we learned how to film make. 
And uh, one of the best classes that I enjoyed, I remember specifically one of the days that we were studying a film. We would watch the film, lights were off and everything else. And I remember clearly one of my friends that was sitting at the same desk as me pulls out his phone and he ends up showing us at the table pornography. And this was the first time that I was exposed to that. I had no idea what it was. It was such a, at the time, such a new thing for me that I didn't know how to process through it. And thinking back, it was really, it was really a dark and twisted thing to do to a kid is to expose him to something as vile as that. It was so twisted to the point where one of the kids that had the phone, I remember him saying, talking about masturbation, him starting to talk about what that was. And I had no idea what that was. So much to the point that they would even say, you know what, if you want to borrow the phone and go into the bathroom, then go and do that. And I thank God that I didn't that day. But that was the first time that I had exposure to that. And I remember leading on through the following years from seventh to eighth grade, starting getting exposed to secular music, started hearing about Wiz Khalifa, Chief Keef. Now I'm in high school. And now when I'm in high school, now I'm not only exposed to this music or pornography, but now I'm starting to see characters that are out of the ordinary from what I grew up in. I grew up in seeing people at church, you know, praising God, like prophesying, crying when they're in the presence of God, speaking in tongues. I grew up witnessing that. And now I'm in high school as a freshman, and I'm witnessing people walking around school shirtless, uh, getting into fights, smoking outside the school, people skipping class. And so it was almost like the amount of evil that I was exposed to, it started to progress the older and the older that I got. I remember as a 15-year-old kid, you know, after being exposed to everything that I was exposed to, I started to think to myself, I want a taste of that. I want a taste of that world. I want a little taste of fame and, and that kind of attention. I want a taste of what sex is like. I want a taste of what drugs are like. I want a taste of what excitement is outside of the four walls of my home and outside of the four walls of my church and outside of, you know, even the friend group that I grew up in, you know, of, of my church friends. And so at the age of 15, sophomore year, I remember getting into a relationship with a young girl. First girlfriend I ever had, remember getting into this relationship, ended up losing my virginity. That was almost like a downward spiral for me because outside of having the enticement of wanting to watch pornography after being exposed to it at such a young age, now I had gotten a taste of what that was like in real life, or so I thought, and constantly wanting that and finding some type of validation in sex almost and in this relationship. Now, Outside of that, something else happened to me when I was 15 that really changed the course of where my life was going as, you know, the son of an elder, the son of a church leader. I actually remember this Friday night, we used to have Friday services at 730, and I remember this Friday night, I was fed up with going to church. I remember Fridays, you know, I just wanted to stay home, relax, chill. And now that I had a girlfriend, maybe even sneak out to go see my girlfriend. And I remember my parents coming into my room this Friday night about 7 o'clock when I was 15 years old and them telling me, you got to get up, you got to get ready, we're going to church. And distinctly remember saying to my mom, I don't want to go. And I said I didn't want to go. And it was almost like for those of you that grew up getting disciplined by your parents, it's like when uh, you're, you know, bigger than your parents and they can't whoop you anymore. It was like that moment for me where I finally learned to say no. And I said no to my mom. And then I said no to my dad. I said, no, I don't want to go to church. And after a few minutes of going back and forth with my parents about whether or not I should go to church, my dad tells my mom, just leave him. We have to go to church. I have to serve tonight. So I really need to be there by 7.30. They end up leaving. 
and I stayed home alone. And that was the first time that I had stayed home alone and I had not gone to church. And I remember that same night, I had one of my friends hit me up. He texted me and he asked me if I wanted to smoke weed that night. And that Friday night that I did not go to church was the first night that I smoked weed. And it started to, for whatever reason, after I smoked weed that one night, it's like weed started showing up everywhere. I started seeing how everything started shifting. Everything from my priorities in life in terms of like accomplishing my dreams and, you know, wanting to, you know, one day become a filmmaker and going to film school. All of those different things started to shift into now, okay, I've opened the door to this new world where I can get high, have sex and have a good time and also be surrounded by people that are doing the same thing as me. And for me, that combination was very addictive. I remember after that, it went from sophomore year just smoking to junior year now selling drugs and to senior year having my counselors and the principal have sit down meetings with me telling me, hey, get ready because you're not going to graduate this year. You're going to have to repeat the 12th grade. You know, those were some difficult times for my parents. I think I'll just mention that as well, that at the time, the relationship that I had with my parents, of course, the same way that sin started to progressively grow in my life and I started to smoke more, experiment with other drugs like LSD, starting to sell, you know, starting to sleep around. As those things started to progress in my life, the relationship between my parents and I started to deteriorate more and more and more and more as the days went on. It was like somehow the more evil I did, the more sin I had in my life, the more power that I thought and more freedom that I thought that I had over my parents. I used to look at my parents and think, why would you all be Christians? You know, you can't go out and party like everyone else does. You can't smoke like everyone else does. You know, you're restricted in your sex life. You can't do this. You can't listen to that. You know, and I was looking at Christianity from the lens of it's just a set of rules that are trying to restrict me, that are trying to take away my freedom. And that for me was something that I didn't want. And so during my teenage years, me and my parents were polar opposites, always. It was almost like I was always going against the grain when it came to my parents, when it came to things such as what am I going to do when I graduate high school, if I graduate high school. And I remember like the only times that I would go to church when I was in high school at this point were Father's Day or Mother's Day, maybe New Year's if I wanted to lend my parents, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of my time. But then I would always usually leave early to go to a party, to go get drunk, get high, do whatever it was that I had to do. I graduated and that alone was a miracle. That was by the grace of God that I graduated. Still remember, you know. And when I did graduate high school, I didn't really have a plan for what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I had friends that were going to, you know, community college. I had other friends that had gotten scholarships. And I had other friends that they were like me, you know, they didn't really know what they were going to do either. So they just ended up going into the workforce or, and at the time I wasn't working at the time I was just, I was just pushing or I was selling drugs. A few months after that, I start getting into the retail world, got, you know, one of my first jobs. Mind you, all the while, these few years that I was working in retail, at this point, I'm about 18 years old. I'm still doing the same thing. I'm not going to church. You know, I have a really tough and toxic relationship with my parents, I would say, that was very aggressive at times. Sometimes I would get very aggressive with my dad. And I was so counter God, if I could say that. I was so against the word of God. 
There were times where I would be speaking with my dad, and if he brought up the Word of God, if he brought up what the Bible said about the way that I was living my life, I would get very angry, and I would find any reason to argue with him about how the Bible is not inherent, about how the Bible has contradictions, about how, you know, living the life that I was living was much better than living a life for God, you know, a God who at the time I thought was made up. I thought, you know, my parents are just crazy. They cry for no reason. They go to church. They prophesy. They speak in tongues. They do all these different things, but they're just deceived. That's, you know, that's how I looked at my parents. I was still doing, you know, all of the nonsense, you know, went from smoking weed to LSD. And while I was working in retail, it turned into doing things such as cocaine, even, you know, prescription medication that was not my prescription, abusing those drugs and alcohol, all the while sleeping around, going from one relationship to another. That was one thing that for me at the time, I remember that rejection was a very difficult thing for me to accept or to even grasp or even to try and understand or to even face When I was in these romantic relationships all throughout my teenage years, even after I graduated high school, I always broke up with my girlfriends because I was afraid that they were going to leave me. And so the lie that I believed at the time was, let me leave them so that they don't do that to me, or "Let let me do it first before they do that to me. And so I ended up hopping from one relationship to another, never really spending time in singleness, figuring out my stuff or figuring out like how to process my feelings or anything else. And I remember the last relationship I had, right at the point where I'm about to have my encounter with the Lord, the last relationship I had was probably the epitome of every other relationship I've had in terms of my downfalls, in terms of the level of toxicity I had. I had met a girl at the shopping center where I had worked at it, and um, we met and things, you know, started to escalate very quickly. You know, it went from just hanging out after work and smoking together to, you know, I was at the Christmas parties and I was coming over every night and, you know, I was meeting her kid and, you know, getting integrated into the family. And it started to very quickly escalate and go from a romantic relationship into uh, something that was more spiritual that at the time I didn't know. A few months go by and the relationship ended up becoming a codependent relationship where I had to see her every day, where I had to talk to her every day and even sexually dependent on her to the point where if I wasn't seeing her every single night, if I wasn't sleeping with her every single night, it was already difficult for me to go to bed, you know? And so that ended up turning into me going into work late every single day, going into work high every single day, going into work sleep deprived every single day and losing my job. I ended up losing my job about five months into the relationship. And at the time, my relationship with my parents slowly started to get worse and worse to the point where I didn't really feel like I even had a relationship with my parents to the point where I could do anything with my life and I didn't think or I didn't even have any empathy towards how my parents felt about it. So I ended up actually moving out of my house and moving in with this girlfriend, even though I had lost my job, so probably not the best decision, A month later, she ends up losing her job as well. Things started to go from this romantic fairy tale where, you know, she is the ideal woman for me. She's everything I wanted in looks. She made me laugh. Her personality was great. It went from all of that to I couldn't stand being with her. I wasn't even sure what I was doing with her. Uh, I couldn't even see myself being with her in the future. It went from good to bad really quickly in a matter of just a couple months while I'm living with her, mind you. So 
something happened that really changed my life. And I could say that this is probably when I had hit rock bottom. I was jobless. I was in a relationship with someone that I couldn't stand. I was in a relationship with somebody that was emotionally unstable, mentally unstable, spiritually unstable, financially unstable. And I could probably say that I was in that same position myself. So being in that place, I could say the only word that could describe how I felt was hopeless. I felt hopeless about my life. I used to say, I don't see myself getting to 30. I don't see myself even at 25. At the time, I was only 20 years old. I couldn't see myself having kids. I couldn't see myself getting married. That's how hopeless I was. I remember I would have to smoke before I went to bed, roll a blunt and smoke that myself just to try and go to bed. When I woke up, I had to smoke again. I couldn't be awake unless I was high. I couldn't eat unless I was high. If I wasn't having sex, then I couldn't stand my girlfriend. Mind you, I was living with her at the time. And we're, we were in a really tough situation because both of us had lost our jobs. Even though I was still selling drugs at the time, the relationship and the codependency made it so that I wouldn't even answer my phone, whether it was friends or people that were trying to buy drugs off of me. I wouldn't answer my parents. Parents, I think, at one point thought I was missing. And I was in a really dark place at that time where I just didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I think the only reason why I never took my life was because I was too much of a coward to do that. I was too selfish to even take my own life. But, uh, but truly, I can say that in that moment in my life, it's almost like I didn't really feel anything. So being in that season of my life, I remember one time, you know, we're in a pickle here. We're in a tough situation with my, my girlfriend at the time because we're about to get evicted from our apartment. You know, we're having eviction notices on the door every week, and every week they're changing colors. It's going from green to yellow to red. And I remember one night we were like, you know what, we're just going to get wasted. We're just going to get drunk. We end up going to her brother's house, and uh, we're drinking, we're smoking, and we're doing LSD, which is a hallucinogenic. And I remember that night, as I took the LSD or as I took the acid, thinking to myself, this is just going to be like any other time that I've taken it. You know, growing up as a teenager, when I was 15, I took acid for the first time and I eventually started to sell it. I even remember like kids used to tell my sister, hey, do you know my older sister? Hey, do you know that your brother sells LSD? And she used to tell kids like, man, you're crazy. Stop saying that about my little brother. She had no idea the life that I was living because for so long I tried to live a double life, right? And at the point that I had moved out, that's when I knew that I couldn't live a double life, that it's either I chose to either chose to be a Christian or I chose to live my life my way, the way that I wanted. And, uh, and at that time, I chose, you know what, I'm going to just do what I want. And I'm going to go out and live my life. And so at this point, this night, when I hit rock bottom, took the LSD, and I remember that same night, I actually found out that my girlfriend at the time was texting her ex, was calling her ex, was essentially cheating on me. And I remember that night thinking the hopelessness that I had already felt and how numb I was, it now totally, my life now totally became purposeless. Because even the relationship that could miraculously get better, maybe, I don't know, thinking to myself, if maybe I just stay in this relationship longer, maybe it'll get better. That hope was gone. Like, like now, I'm, now I've got nothing but the clothes on my back, truly. And being in that state of mind, I remember going upstairs with my girlfriend at the time. We went up to a bedroom. We're sitting on the bed. And, and in that moment, which was about 30 minutes after I had taken the LSD, which is approximately the time that I'm supposed to start hallucinating, I don't start hallucinating 
but a fear comes over me. A great fear comes over me. And it was like my life started almost flashing before me. Like in my mind, I started to remember when I was a kid and when I used to get angry at God because when I would get disciplined, I didn't understand why I was getting disciplined. When I would do things that were wrong, I didn't know why I was getting corrected, why I was getting rebuked. And I would pray to God angry and bitter prayers like, God, why don't, why don't you just, why don't you listen to me? And I remembered those times when I was a kid making those angry, bitter prayers. And in that moment, sitting in that room, instead of hallucinating, I just started to think about my life and all the decisions that I had made about when I first did drugs at 15, when I first started to become rebellious, when I first started to just live my life the way that I wanted to with every decision from smoking weed to dropping acid to selling drugs to disobeying my parents to lying to them about the lifestyle that I was living to the pornography, the jumping from one relationship to another and never being honest with anyone and realizing in that moment, every decision that I had made, it was my own. It was not a decision that anybody else took for me. Nobody forced me to do anything. It was a decision that I had made, every single one. And in that moment, a great fear came over me where I had realized the condition in which I was in, the spiritual condition in which I was in. I thought, you know what, this is supposed to be like every other time I've done acid. This is supposed to be like every other time I've done LSD. I'm supposed to be hallucinating. This is supposed to be a good time. But why are my sins being put before me? Why am I realizing right now that the woman that I'm with, that I thought was supposed to be my everything, is actually possessed by demons, is actually oppressed by demons? is actually doing and practicing witchcraft. In that moment, I remember looking at my girlfriend at the time and seeing her with a smile on her face and her just laughing at me. And she knew in that moment that I was panicking, that I was going through something right now, that I was experiencing an overwhelming fear. I remember looking at her and seeing her laughing. And in that moment, through that, God revealed to me, this is not the woman for you. As a matter of fact, this woman is here to destroy you. And in that moment, I realized if I were to die today, and as a matter of fact, if I'm not already dead, I'm going to go to hell. And it is because of every decision I've made. It is because I decided to disobey God. It is because I decided to do drugs, because I decided to disobey, because I decided to do things my way and not to listen, not to seek counsel. And it was nobody else's. It was my responsibility. And in that moment, thinking to myself, like, if I'm bound for hell. What could save me? Who could save me? And in that moment, I thought, and God put this thought in my mind, Jesus, the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus to save you, even from the clutches of hell, even from any demonic power or forces. In that moment, that was the first time I've ever, ever looked at Jesus as the answer. And in that moment, I thought, I, I need Jesus. But there was a problem. And I thought to myself, I'm not a Christian. I, I never gave my life to God. I never lived my life for him. I never even believed in him. So now that I need him, how could I go to him? And I remember thinking in that moment, despite how rough things were between me and my dad, despite how many times I cursed him out, almost got into physical fights with him, despite how destructive my words were towards my dad, how rebellious I was, how I did things that hurt him and hurt my mom, that made them shed tears. Despite all those things, I remembered my mom and my dad in that moment. And I remembered that they are Christians. They are 
followers of Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone that I need to speak to in this moment, it's my mom and my dad. And I thought, I, I need them to pray for me because I need Jesus and they know him. They can introduce me to Jesus. They can bring me to him. And in that moment, I thought, I got to get out of here. I remember checking the window, opening the window. I'm like, let me make sure I'm not in hell real quick. Just like, I'm like, is there any flames out there? No, no flames. I was like, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book it. I'm going to leave this house where I am, and I'm going to go find my parents. I don't care if it's the middle of the night. And it was like 4 in the morning. I was like, I don't care if it's 4 in the morning. As soon as I wanted to leave the room, I got up out of the bed, and uh, I'm looking for my keys got my keys and uh, I looked to my my girlfriend at the time she realizes that I want to leave and she says to me where are you going she says don't you know that you came with me and in that moment I I realized that we drove in the same car but also in that moment I thought to myself man there's there's some type of like spiritual tie here that needs to be broken I was like and I got to break this thing and I said I don't care if I had to run or if I had to walk home. I was like, but I'm getting out of here. As soon as I start walking towards the door, I look to my girlfriend at the time again. She starts laughing and she points at the door. And as she points at the door, I look over at the door. And now you can audibly hear, audibly, not like I had mentioned earlier where God was putting these thoughts in my mind or he was bringing things into remembrance. I audibly heard voices of people weeping and crying out of people getting tortured coming from the living room, coming from the door. And I thought to myself, oh, I am definitely in hell. And if I open that door, then I'm going to witness something that is going to confirm that I'm in a place that I cannot get out of. And there was that fear of you could be eternally damned or you could open the door and you could reach your salvation and you could face the fear anyways. And I looked back at my girlfriend at the time and I thought, I don't care. And I walk through the door. I open the door. I go downstairs. And it's just her family that's in the living room. And I remember they look up at me and they say in that moment, we thought you were asleep, they said. They look up at me. It's four in the morning. They're like, we thought you were asleep. And I tell them, no. You know what? I thought I was asleep, I told them. But I'm awake now. And in that moment, I wasn't telling them that I was having a dream. I wasn't telling them that I was physically asleep. But I was telling them, you know what? I was spiritually asleep. My eyes were closed. And I was spiritually dead. But I'm awake now. And God had brought me back to life in that moment, my spirit. I remember walking out of that house. And as soon as I walk out of that house, it's about 4.30 in the morning, more or less. It's about to be 5. And seeing that the sun is is starting to come out at the time, you know, I had just snowed. And so the sky was almost white. And I remember looking up at the sky in that moment. And in that moment, as soon as I barge out of those doors, I start crying and I'm in tears. And I'm like crying out to God and just saying, thank you, Lord. Like, thank you for freeing me, God. Thank you for giving me another opportunity. And I remember like at that time, like I was very into the whole like goth thing. And I, for whatever reason, idolized death and always having like pendants with skulls on them, the Grim Reaper, many demonic things. I remember in that moment, I was like, God, I give this to you. I remember ripping the chains off of my neck and just throwing them and in tears, crying out to God and saying, I'm sorry, because I used to think that my parents were crazy. I used to think that my parents were the crazy ones, that they were out of their mind, that they were deceived. But actually, God, that was me. I was crazy. I was deceived. And I remember walking to my car, which was like two or three miles away, getting into my car finally. And as I got in my car, something happened and doubt started to creep into my mind. And the idea that maybe I was just on drugs and maybe I was just hallucinating. The thought came into my mind that that experience wasn't real. You know what? God is not real. How could he possibly be real? And I remember thinking to that moment, 
the coffee is going to decide for me. I remember, I think Starbucks opened at five or six o'clock. Instead of driving home to my parents to where I was going to confess my sin and actually give my life to Jesus, instead of doing that, I went to Starbucks and I bought an Americano and I drank that. And I thought to myself, maybe I'm sober now. And maybe that was all just a hallucination. Let me go back to the house where my girlfriend is at and let me just apologize for acting all crazy. And so that's what I did. I ended up going back into the house where God had allowed me to have that experience, that supernatural experience. And when I walk back inside the house, they're all laughing at me. They're mocking me. They're like, dude, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? Yada, yada, yada. And so I decided to stay in the relationship for another month. And um, things ended up getting worse. You know, the eviction happened. And, you know, now we're essentially couch hopping with my ex-girlfriend. And remember, a month passed by, about April 21st, April 22nd at this point, about a month later. And it was my friend's birthday. We go to my friend's birthday party, a surprise birthday party. It was all great and dandy. And you know what? Things are looking like maybe they're going to work out a little bit better. We're applying for apartments and, you know, we're trying to find a new place to live. We're doing interviews left and right to get new jobs. The credit card is almost maxed out. So I'm like, okay, like something's got to give now, you know, because we're, we almost have no money whatsoever. Got to make something happen. And at this birthday party, my ex-girlfriend or my girlfriend at the time, she was not having it. She couldn't be in the room for whatever reason. She wasn't feeling it. She wanted to be by herself. And so she says to me, why don't we just get out of here? Why don't we go do acid again? And, uh, and that's it, right? Why don't we go do that? Why don't we go leave the party and drop acid? And the moment I thought, okay, I want to please her. I want the relationship to get better. So why don't we do that? So we left the party. We go, we buy some LSD. We go back to her brother's house. We drop LSD again. And 30 minutes into the experience, I have the same fear that came over me. Not a, not a hallucination, nothing that I saw that wasn't there. The fear came over me that I am definitely bound for hell if I keep living this life. And I didn't need to hear anything else. I didn't need to see anything else. I was, as soon as the fear came over me, I, I thought to myself, God, this time I'm going to listen to you. And I remember feeling for my keys, where my keys at, had my keys on me and I leave. And as soon as I leave, you know, my ex-girlfriend and her brother, they're trying to get me to not leave the house. And they're telling me, you can't drive like that. You're on drugs. You cannot keep driving like that. What's wrong with you? This, that, or the third. But I knew in my mind, I was convinced. And it was incredible because at that moment, and mind you, this is a drug that I had taken time and time again as a kid. Like I had experience with it. But these times I did not feel high. I was not tripping, if you could say that. But there was a level of sobriety to where I knew exactly what was happening. And in that moment, I said, you know what? I have to leave. I'm sorry. I don't care. Like, I have to leave. And I remember walking out to my car that was in the parking lot, getting in the car, starting the engine, and driving home. I remember driving home. And as I'm driving home, I just remember, like, 91.9. I said, I got to listen to some worship music or something right now. I turn on the radio. I'm trying to put 91.9. That thing is not working for whatever reason. The signal is jammed. And I turn off the radio. I'm like, oh, God, like, please. Like, I need to see my parents. Like, I need my parents to pray over me. I know that I can have salvation through Jesus, but they know Jesus and I don't. I was like, I have to, I have to speak with them. I have to have them pray for me. And I remember as I'm driving on 270, I remember seeing police officers that were driving behind me and thinking to myself, oh, I'm definitely going to get pulled over. And if I get pulled over and they test me or something like that, I was like, they're going to realize that, you know, I took some drugs and this could be bad and I, and I never get home and I never give my life to Jesus. 
But the police officers end up actually driving around me and for a second driving next to me and then driving off. And in that moment, I knew God was going to keep me safe. God wanted me to go home. And so I kept on the course and I kept driving. And as I got home, it was about 5 o'clock, Sunday morning, April 21st, 22nd. And I remember looking at my house and thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, is anyone going to answer? It's 5 in the morning on a Sunday. Church doesn't start until 1030. I don't think they're going to answer. And so I FaceTime my sister. And luckily, as soon as I FaceTime her, she answers. And I tell her, please, can you please open the door? I'm here. I don't have my key. At this time, you know, I had moved out, so I didn't have a key to the house. And so my sister comes downstairs and she opens the door. And now at this point, just by looking at her, I'm in tears. And I tell her, Zuri, I think my sister's name is Zuri, by the way. And I tell her, I say, Zuri, I think I just found Jesus. And I'm in tears. And, you know, she sits me down on the couch. I tell her, I said, look, please don't be mad at me. But I took a lot of drugs. I said, and maybe I'm high right now. I don't know. And I'm in tears and I'm telling her, but I just found Jesus. And in that moment, it was so beautiful because God spoke to me through her. God said to me through my sister, she prophesied to me. And in tears, you know, because she was being used by God, she said, you know, you've been looking everywhere. You've been looking in all the wrong places. You've been looking in other people. But I am your best friend and I have always been here for you. And I remember when she said that, when God spoke to her, I just break down in tears and I felt the love of God in that moment. And I knew, I knew that God was protecting me the whole time. You know, that God was protecting me while I had been selling drugs and I could have been killed. God had been protecting me while, you know, I was having sex left and right outside of marriage. You know, even while I was doing just the crazy things that I was doing with my life, God was protecting me. Even on the way there, even while I was driving home, God was protecting me because he he did care about me. He was a personal God. He wasn't just a God that was distant from me. And so I remember I told her, I said, I got to talk to mom and dad. I was like, do you think they're awake? She's like, no, they're asleep. I said, well, we got to wake them up. And I remember going upstairs into my parents' bedroom and waking them up and trying to tell them the experience that I just had, telling them I just met Jesus. This is what happened. And my dad was skeptical. He was skeptical because he was like, you know, this kid, he's lied to us almost, you know, for half of his life about the life that he's been living. And I even remember my dad telling me, a short while ago that at first he doubted that it was genuine. But as I started to confess my sins that night, I told him everything I did. I said, look, mom, look, dad, I'm still smoking, still selling drugs. This is where I live now. This is what's going on in my life. And I, and I need forgiveness and I'm sorry. And I need Jesus. And that's all I knew. And I remember in that moment, my dad realized that God was doing a work in my heart, that the spirit was involved. And so they prayed for me. They laid hands on me. And in that moment, I didn't know what was going to happen, but they laid hands on me and they prayed for me at five in the morning Sunday. And God delivered me from the spirit that was holding me hostage to my drug addiction. And I remember as they're praying for me, they're praying for me, they're casting out demons and they're praying fervently. And as soon as we finished praying, I felt something like at the bottom of my stomach. And I was like, this thing needs to come out. I don't know what it is. I run to the bathroom. I'm on my knees in the bathroom, you know, my head in the toilet, and I'm thinking I'm going to throw up or something. And as this thing comes out of me, it's like this huge ball comes out, and I hear this roar that comes out of my mouth. And when I get up and I look at the toilet, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And I turn around and I look at myself in the mirror, and I finally saw myself as I was in that moment. It was like the veil was lifted. Like <laughs> there's no deceiving myself anymore about who I am 
and about my need for Christ and about my brokenness. I saw myself in the mirror and I truly saw how broken I was and the state that I was in because of all the decisions that I had made in my life and how it brought me there. I remember walking out of the room and my dad telling me, he said, so you know what you got to do now? He says, you got to go shower and you got to get ready because we're about to go to church and we're going to go praise the Lord for what he just did in your life. And so that was, you know, the experience where God met me where I was. God met me, you know, when I was in all of my sin that was so disgusting, yet he reached out to me. And it wasn't my parents. It wasn't my mom that called me. It wasn't my dad that called me. It wasn't my friends that called me or knocked on my door. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, you got to come back to the feet of Jesus. Hey, no, it was the Lord himself and his Holy Spirit that spoke to me and drew me to him there where I was. And so that was essentially the beginning of my life as a Christian. That's how God met me where I was. And as I started getting saved, like I started to become more zealous for the Lord. You know, I started going to church Friday services, Sunday services, Tuesday services, praying and prophesying in my room by myself, like just hungry for the Lord because of what he had done in my life, sharing my testimony with almost anyone that I met. I had to tell them about what Jesus did in my life. And I remember telling my friends, my closest friends, about what God had done in my life and about how he had delivered me and them just telling me that I was crazy and telling me that, hey, dude, you were just on drugs. And thank God, even though they didn't believe in God, but they were like, thank God that you didn't go crazy, but thank God that now you're sober. And that was the beginning now of a healing process because even though God had delivered me from, you know, my addiction to weed and having to smoke every single day and having to, you know, smoke to go to sleep and to eat and to all those different things, that dependency, God had freed me from that. He had, you know, torn the veil. There was still a healing process that had to happen in my heart from when I got saved in 2019, in April of 2019. It took me about three to four months to actually completely sever the relationship between my girlfriend at that time. You know, I told her, I said, look, we got to do things right. If we're going to do things right, if we want to, you know, sleep together, we have to get married. We, you know, we have to do things right. But in the meantime, if we're not married, you have to go move back in with your dad and I'm going to move back in with my parents. And so we did that. And for, you know, the next couple of months, it was a process of me trying to drag her to church, picking her up all the way in, you know, in Southeast DC and bringing her all the way to Silver Spring and trying to get her to come to church. And a few times we did, you know, a few times she was in church and she even received, you know, a partial deliverance herself. But God revealed to me during those three months after I had gotten saved during that summer of 2019, that um, I Darkness and light, they have nothing to do together. Like God revealed to me that she wasn't saved, and I was at that time. And if I wanted to live my life in holiness, if I wanted to live a life of righteousness, I couldn't do it by her side. Because every time I met up with her, you know, I had the urge to, hey, let's smoke together. When I met up with her, you know, I had the urge to, hey, let's sleep together. And God was showing me, you need to cut those ties. And I loved her, but I loved God more than her. And God showed me that, If you want her to be healed, let me heal her. You can't heal her. You can't save her. That's something that only I can do. That relationship ended, started to get more involved in the church and uh, started to serve wherever it was that I could, you know, made sure to go to every single Bible study, whether it was, you know, picking up the chairs or like setting the tables, I was doing something for God. Two months after I had gotten saved and I had this conversion experience, I actually got baptized. And I got baptized because I wanted to truly do it out of faith. I wanted to be obedient to God. And although I had gotten baptized when I was 11 or 11 or 12 around there, I had only done it then because I saw other people getting baptized. So this time I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do something for God, I'm going to do it out of faith. 
right? And so I got baptized in 2019, you know, two months after getting saved, at 20 years old this time. So now I was living for Christ. I mean, now I was, any chance that I got to be in the church, to be in fellowship with my brothers, like I was doing that, you know, I was now single. I had been freed from that relationship and God was really starting to uh, to put me to work, right? He was like, I saved you so that you could worship me. And so now I was starting to live a life of worship for God and, and a life of obedience. But something slowly started to creep back into my life. Lust and pornography started to creep back into my life. And at first, I thought to myself, okay, I understand that as a Christian, you know, I'm going to have like moments of weakness. It's not like sin is going to be completely obliterated from my life. And so I didn't think much of those moments of weaknesses, but it ended up starting to progress more and more to where I found myself falling back into this. And thinking to myself, this was about like a year after I had gotten saved, thinking to myself, what is going on here? And starting to get very doubtful of the work that God had done in my heart and in my life and about even my own salvation, because I was thinking, God, like, aren't I supposed to be blameless at this point? Like, God, like, what's going on? Like, I thought when I had gotten delivered, when I got home, I thought I got delivered from everything. I thought that's what that was, God. And I started to have this battle for about a year or so from 2020 to 2021, this battle where it's a battle in my mind where I'm thinking to myself, you know, doubting my own salvation and struggling with this sin and not knowing what to do with it, you know? About 20, I would say 2021 is when I really started to seek counsel for this. And I started to realize, okay, like this is getting a little bit out of hand. I keep confessing that I have this this issue every time I fall. And I was like, but I, God, I don't want to keep falling. You know, I, I felt like I was in a miserable place because I want to please God. I want to be obedient. At the other hand, I can't. So what do I do, God? And it it was very, very difficult for me to talk about this after I had such such an explosive and impactful experience and having other people know that. It was very difficult to say, hey, actually, I'm still struggling. Like, even though I had this supernatural experience and everyone is looking at me like, wow, like, like, wow, praise God, like, ooh, like miracle done in your life, like 180 turn in your life. And I'm like, yo, but I'm still struggling. So it was very difficult to talk to my brothers about that in the church, in the fellowship, though. When I would confess, I would confess to my dad, you know, that was kind of that relationship that God had reconciled. And that was is one of the things that I'm most grateful to the Lord about is that when I came to Christ, he did not just reconcile me to himself, but he reconciled me to my family. You know, he reconciled me to my dad. We went from, you know, me and my dad went from arguing about whether or not the Bible is accurate to me and my dad now just sharing, you know, sharing the word together, sharing about what God is showing us in the scriptures together and being like the theology buffs where like my mom, she always tells my siblings, if your brother and your dad start talking, they won't stop, right? Because we love to talk about the word together. Well, despite me confessing my sins to my dad, I felt like still there was this challenge in my life where I could not overcome this. And so I remember thinking to myself, I got to talk to one of my church leaders. And so I did. Outside of my dad, I spoke to my youth pastor at the time and, and got some advice from them. I actually ended up seeking Christian counseling. And at the time, I met with a Christian counselor, almost the same exact thing that I did with my dad, where I confessed my sins or kind of just walked through what I was feeling or what I was thinking is what I did with my counselor. I remember doing that for about eight months. Those eight months were challenging because I had to actually talk about those feelings of fear, those feelings of anxiety, those feelings of doubt. And it's not easy to address that, especially when you're already saved. It's hard to talk about 
being fearful when we have a God that tells us not to fear. And so it's almost hard to address how you're feeling. Sometimes you think, is it a sin to feel afraid? Is it a sin to feel doubt? And so I met with my counselor for about eight months and things started to get better. And I felt like, okay, like I think I can get a hold of this thing and started walking through now my like healing process from what I didn't know at the time was sex addiction. And as I was walking through that, I remember I stopped counseling. I stopped meeting with my counselor. And now at this point in my life, I was already in a leadership position at my church uh, with the young adults and the uh, youth. And I was serving as a translator. I was serving as an evangelist. And I knew that God's calling for my life was great. And I didn't want to give it up. I didn't want to forsake what God had called me to because I was getting tired or because I was growing weary. And so as I kept fighting through this now and building accountability around my life through my brothers in Christ, even through software and, you know, through more prayer than I had ever done in my entire life, I started to fall again. And I remember that when I started to fall again, now the shame became stronger than even the fear. It wasn't fear anymore about am I saved, am I not, but it was shame of how many times do you have to confess? How many times do you have to admit that you're struggling? How many times, how many times, how many times? And I remember that uh, there was a point where I stopped confessing. And I stopped confessing for a few months what I was going through, uh, even with some of my accountability partners. And about October of 2021, I remember we had a youth retreat. And I remember at this youth retreat, we had a guest pastor that came in. We're all excited about it. I had to translate for him. And I was thinking to myself, this is going to be great. There's going to be a revival in the youth. And I think anyone that is a Christian that serves in the church, it's so easy sometimes to want to see revival in other people, to see deliverance in other people, and put your own freedom on the back burner. But we know that we can't give what we don't have ourselves. And that's why God was prompting me and pulling and tugging at my heart during this retreat, not only that I had to serve, but mainly that there was some deliverance that had to happen there. And so I remember during that retreat, this was about Friday, it was a Friday to Sunday retreat. And I remember Friday night is when things get like hard hearts get like, you know, they get softened Friday night, you know, during the ministering of the word. I remember after the preaching, you know, we sing a worship song and now we start ministering. Now we start praying. And as the uh, guest pastor starts praying, he says, you know, there's someone here that, that needs deliverance. And if that's you, if you need deliverance today, I want you to come to the altar. I want you to come to the front. And I thought to myself, I'm a leader. I was like, I cannot walk up to the front and have people realize that I need deliverance myself. Like, no, like, what are they going to think that, you know, that you've, you've been in this for two years already. There's no way that you're not fully delivered. There's no way that you're still struggling. There was that shame that kept me truly paralyzed in the moment. I didn't walk forward. I didn't, you know, I didn't even raise my hand in that moment. But in my heart, I knew that I had to go and I needed deliverance. By the power of the Holy Spirit, this guest pastor knew, and he says, and he calls me out, out of the crowd, and he says, I know you didn't come to the front, but you in the black hoodie, all the way in the back, yes, you. And there was only about 100 people in the room, and I was really the only one with the black hoodie. And he points to me, and he says, just lift your hands up there where you are. So I lift up my hands. He starts praying for deliverance, and he starts casting something out of me. And he says, there's something between that only you and God know. And I thought to myself, no, this can't, this can't be like the lust that I fight against. No, this can't be because I've already confessed that. Like I've already, you know, so what can this be? Like, I'm not hiding anything. Like, yes, I'm hiding that I'm still struggling, but no, this, that can't be it. And so 
I remember as he's praying that, he says to two brothers that are standing behind me, he says to them, just put your hand over his shoulder. Just put your hands over his shoulder. And one of the brothers puts his hand on my right shoulder, and the other brother puts his hand on my left shoulder. And as soon as they do that, I fall to the ground, and I'm on my knees. I lose all the strength in my legs, and God begins to deliver me. And after I had that deliverance, I remember sitting there on my knees in a moment of peace, and God brought something into remembrance finally. And he brought into remembrance when I was about 10 years old and I had gotten sexually assaulted by an older boy in my neighborhood. And he brought that back into my mind. And in that moment, I realized what the root of a lot of these problems were that I was having. A lot of the self-esteem problems, having to prove my masculinity through having sex, a lot of trying to prove my worth to my parents by my performance, trying to serve everywhere that I possibly could just to prove, just to prove, just to prove that I was worthy, that I was enough. But I didn't tell anyone in that moment. So I found that out, but I didn't tell anybody. So God showed me that, but I didn't tell anybody in that moment. Ended up telling my counselor. I called my counselor maybe a week or two later, and I ended up telling him about this experience. And I told him, yeah, you know, I'm good. Like, this is what the root is. I found out what the root is, you know, so I just want to let you know. As the year started ending and we're coming into 20, you know, 22, I still kept falling into this sin, this lust and pornography. And I started thinking to myself, God, like how, like you've revealed the root, like I've gone to therapy, like I've gotten deliverance several times, like God, like I've confessed, like what is it now, God, that you require of me? And it turns out that when the same guest preacher that had done deliverance comes back in about March of 2022, it's time for me to translate for him again. And it's a Friday through Sunday Congress, right? Or a conference, I guess you guys would call it. A conference that we had with several guest preachers. And uh, this preacher was one. And so Friday rolls around and I'm translating for him. And I see a powerful move of God where hundreds and hundreds of people are getting delivered. And the, the fire of the Holy Spirit falls upon our congregation. People are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God is using me as a vessel and in that moment, after that night, I knew, I don't know what I have to do. I didn't know who I had to speak to, but I knew that I had to get freedom through the Lord Jesus in order to be used because God had given me a taste of what he had called me for and how he wanted to use me. And in that moment, I knew I, I didn't know what was going to happen that weekend, but something was going to give. And I remember Sunday rolls around and I have to serve, and I have to translate for the guest preacher for the last service of this entire conference. And I'm thinking to myself, I got to either talk to the guest preacher and tell him what God revealed to me about the sexual trauma. I've got to tell him, or I've got to tell my pastor. And I'm getting ready. I'm putting on my suit and everything. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go in there early to confess and to tell them what I've gone through. And I know God's going to fully deliver me. And the Spirit puts a thought on my mind, in my mind, and he says, but do your parents know? And in that moment, I thought, how am I going to tell my pastor? How am I going to tell this guest preacher about what I went through as a kid and not my own parents? My parents, coincidentally, not even coincidentally, God ordained, were both having breakfast at the same time upstairs while I was getting ready, which usually doesn't happen because we're a busy family. And I thought, I, this God is giving me this moment to speak to them. So I remember going upstairs and talking to my parents and telling them, hey, I got to tell you guys something. And uh, they were like, okay, they're eating their breakfast. And I'm like, it's going to require some prayer. 
And my dad was like, okay, let me go grab the oil to, to anoint you, okay? And uh, my dad comes back downstairs. He grab, he's got the oil, and he's like, okay, what's going on? And I tell them about how God, when, he had, when I had gotten deliverance in October at the youth retreat, God revealed to me that I had been sexually assaulted as a kid in our neighborhood. And in that moment, you know, as I'm telling this to my parents, I'm in tears because it was just difficult to even say. I hadn't processed it. I hadn't processed through it. I remember telling my parents then, my mom is in tears, my dad's in tears, because, like, wow, we didn't know. So many years, we just didn't know. And in that moment, I found freedom, because I was actually fully known. God knows me. God fully knows me. But God wanted me to be fully known by my family. When God wanted to reconcile me to my parents, when he wanted to reconcile me to my family, he didn't want to do that halfway. He didn't want to partially do that. He wanted to fully do that. And in order for me to fully be known by my parents, I had to tell them about this. And I had to tell them about what I went through. And I remember that day going forward, God started to use me in a very powerful way in our congregation with brothers that I was mentoring, that we were growing and healing together. And wow, like through that, God had taught me so much in that moment. And God finally gave me liberty because when you understand why you do things, a lot of the sins that we commit, like, you know, drinking, smoking, having sex, watching pornography, masturbation, we look at those things as the actual issue. They are a issue. They're they're an issue, but they're not the issue. They're not the cause. They're just the symptom. God wanted to reveal to me what is the reason why, what is the cause as to why you think you need to watch pornography, you think you need to prove yourself to other people, you think you need to work and show that you are worthy. God was saying, you are worthy. You don't have to prove that you're a man. You already are one. Why? Because I made you and I made you in my image. And God said, you know what? No more being afraid. No more doubting. I've made you a man and a man of God. When God did that in my life, it was almost like the foundation was finally set fully set. Now the concrete's dried. And now God is saying the healing, the healing that needed to be done many years ago, it's complete. And now it's time to grow. Now it's time to build. Now it's time to edify, not just myself, but to edify the church. And that's the entire thing. I mean, God really wanted to reveal to me all of those different things, because sometimes I used to think to myself, ah, it's just my story is about how I used to do drugs and about how God delivered me from that. The true story was not that. True story was not, oh, you got delivered from drugs, you don't do drugs no more. Or you used to sell drugs, you don't sell drugs no more. True story was, I looked at myself as worthless, but God was showing me that I was worth more than I ever thought. And not because of anything that I did, because of anything that I can do, but because he made me and he made me in his image. And that's more than enough. And that gave me freedom to make mistakes sometimes, to maybe I didn't say the right thing and that's okay, to continue to grow, to continue to heal. That gave me freedom to really be a child of God, not trying to pretend to be someone that I'm not, not trying to pretend like I'm perfect because I'm not, but accepting that I am a child in need of his father. And that understanding brought healing to my heart. Eliel, who is Jesus to you? He is my everything. He is, he's my best friend, my counselor. He's everything that I had ever longed for, but did not know that I had. For anybody who is dealing with that same struggle that you dealt with when it came to pornography, when it came to just the brokenness, and let's say they're in that place right now, what can you say to those men and women who are watching, who are feeling hopeless, who are feeling everything that you felt in those moments? What can you say to them? 
Well, I'd like to say, you know, first off, that if you feel hopeless, understand that God can even use that. If you feel broken, God can and will use even that. There's a a verse in the scripture that talks about how you and I are jars of clay, and we're not perfect, and we're not, you know, what people see on TV, and we're not what people see on Instagram. We are humans that are flawed, that are finite, and at the end of the day, God can use your mistakes. The biggest thing that the enemy wants to use against us is shame so that we cannot come to the throne of grace. What does the scripture say? It says that we can come to the throne of grace, right? We can come to God confidently knowing that he knows our mistakes. Even if you've never confessed it, he already knows. So the next step is, you know what? God, I want to be fully known. Is God, I want to be delivered. And deliverance takes vulnerability. It takes you being okay with admitting that you've made a mistake and that you're not perfect. With you understanding that there are deep roots that need to be yanked out and that the healing process doesn't just take a month. It doesn't just take a few weeks. It takes years. And that's okay because God is going to be patient with you. And he's been patient with you this far. If you're watching this, he's going to continue to be patient with you. Any last words? You know, I really felt that I wanted to, uh, I felt that God was prompting me to read this. And uh, I was at a Bible study this morning and I was reading through Ephesians. And as we were reading through Ephesians, God really started to encourage me about the amazing work that he's done in my life and that he's done in the lives of many others that you know, have been on this channel and, you know, you might encounter on your daily lives that you see serving the Lord, that you see in the kingdom. And, uh, and it says this in Ephesians, it says, uh, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He says in verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So you're chosen that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to him as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to do what? To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And verse 7, I love this. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption doesn't come through your works. It doesn't come through how long you've been sober. It doesn't come from are you a virgin or not. It doesn't come from have you ever done drugs or not. It doesn't come from how little or how small are my mistakes. But redemption comes through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, regardless of how great they are, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and yes, things on earth, including your family, including your heart and your desires. God is reconciling all those things to himself. And he's doing it by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's not doing it by your own strength. And if there's anything that I could say to you is to stop trying to do it by your own strength because you won't be able to. But ask God to give you his strength because by his spirit you will be delivered.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mr. Lee Williams this morning and the William Brothers. Cooling water is the name of that one. And uh, we thank God for the baptism of the water, in the water. Yeah, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And I thank God for, again, baptism. It was a beautiful thing for me. And I knew it was of a significance. You know, it was real important that I had this done. Jesus went down in the grave and rose again. And I went down during that time in the liquid grave and rose in the newness of life. Hallelujah. I I can remember that like it was yesterday. I had been baptized as a child. But then as an adult, I wanted to do it again because I would understand better as an adult, you know, more than I did as a child. And so that was a beautiful thing. I enjoyed that testimony this morning and um, him looking back, you know, over things that, that, that you know, keep coming. And uh, he went ahead and got delivered and, you know, talked to some people. Because sometimes we have to go talk to somebody about things. Yeah, people call me about things, preachers. Hey, I remember this uh, just this morning. What is that? When I was 10 years old, this took place. And that, and I never did let that go. And I, I buried it so deep in my mind, I forgot that it even happened. But it came up this morning, and it did this and that and that and that. And it got me thinking this, that, and that. So we talk about some things, and we begin to pray. And a lot of times, they are delivered right there. They are delivered in the phone call. Yeah because they need to get this away from them, because it's hindering some things, hindering a, a lot of the spiritual growth. And they're working in the church, they're doing different things, but they got these situations. And God is a deliverer today. Anything you really need and want, the biggest thing here is want to be delivered from, God will deliver you. But you got to really want it. You can't hold on to it and say and you really want it, but deep in your heart, you don't really want to let that go because that's familiar. You feel like that's a part of you. You feel like that's who you are. If it's against the word of God, that's not who you are. For well, any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Listen, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But it all starts with our mind. It all starts with seeking God. Yeah, it all starts with us not really wanting to be this way. And especially if you want to please God, if he said it was wrong, it, it, it's wrong. He said that if we know it's wrong and we do it, it's no longer wrongdoing. It's a sin now. And I'm a living witness. God is a deliverer. And if you put something on the altar, continue to go back to God about it. If you don't see no change, keep going back to him. It's coming. Sometimes there's some things we can do. Yeah, we can resist the devil and he will flee. But many times we don't do that. We want God to do it all. You resist the devil in me. now. he said you resist the devil and the devil will flee. Don't mean he's coming, he's not coming back. But each time he come back, you resist him. Yeah, I've had people tell me, but when he came back, I was in a weak, low place. Why? Why were you in a weak, low place? You wasn't. You didn't have a prayer life. You didn't have a Bible study life. You didn't wake up every day 
with your mind made up to walk in the ways of God. Because, hey, hey, you got to wake up every day with your mind to go the right way. So sometime before you go to bed, some foolishness can happen. And then when you wake up, some more foolishness happening. Yeah. The songwriter said, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. <laughs> if you trust and never doubt, I know God will bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our weather has changed. I can feel it all in my throat today. Feet feel cold. Yeah, the weather has really changed. And uh, right now it's 62 degrees. <laughs> See, I'm used to uh, 93. Yeah, I am. 92, 90. Yeah, I'm used to that. And the weather has changed after this hurricane. But I thank God that I'm here to see the, the change in other weather. I'm here to see um, summer turn to fall. Hallelujah. Praying that I'll see fall turn to winter. Back in the spring, back in the summer. God is faithful. God is faithful. So listen, the studio is open. If there's someone uh, have something they would like to say this morning, please feel free and press that number one and call in this morning. And uh, we can hear from you, hear what you got to say today. And uh, maybe you have a testimony of how God brought you to where you are in him, how he drew you. Hallelujah. It's all right today in Jesus' name. I want to read just a few of these this morning, a few scriptures. And uh, I'm starting with John, the 13th chapter, and the 22nd verse. It says this, Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Doubting of whom he spake. You see? We got to watch that doubt. Oh, we got to work on that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But by faith, the elders obtained a good report. See, what we got to do is walk in faith. I don't care what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. We got to believe God. Why? He's the great God that can change it around in the twinkling of an eye. You know how quick that is? As you going in, you already heard him say, no, we're not going to do it for them. But as you go on before them, all of a sudden they said, but wait a minute. I done had it to happen for interviews. I was getting ready to go out the door. They, they, they wasn't going to hire me. I didn't have enough uh, experience. I wasn't what they was looking for. But God said before I left home, the job was mine. And then they said, oh, but you know what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come, come back. Come back. Can you have a seat right here? Let me look at something. And then they say, but you do have this, this, and this. And then Charlie, he can train you, or uh, 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 Gloria, she can train you. So look, can you be here tomorrow at 8? Sometimes I've gotten all the way home. And when I got home, the message was on the answer machine, the report tomorrow morning. Ah, at 7 o'clock. Yeah. And while I'm, I'm there, 7 o'clock, when 9 o'clock comes, they would send me over for the background check, the fingerprinting, or whatever I needed to do. If we'll trust God and don't doubt it, keep the faith. Yeah, keep moving. First Timothy 2 and 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrapped and doubting. 
Yeah, sometimes you may be in the grocery store and you see something that you know is the move of God. You may be going in, you may have to buy a humongous roast beef for a family gathering. And that thing is 60 something dollars. You only went in the store with a hundred and you have potatoes and other things to buy. And if you spend $60 on the roast, woo, what you gonna do about the rest of the stuff? Will $40 cover the rest of it? Some of the items you buy may have taxes on. But when you got there and you looked at the huge roast beef that you had to have, the roast beef was had a big sale on it. And that particular roast beef, just the 10 pounder, 15 pounder that you needed is on sale for $28, huh? I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubt. No matter where I go, I want to pray and lift up holy hands to him without wrath or doubt. I'm not going to fight with nobody about the word. I'm not going to fight with nobody about Jesus. There's no wrath, none of that, and I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to trust God, keep the faith. Acts 2 and 10 says, Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. See, we got to be careful. The script even says, Be careful, for some have entertained angels unaware. So sometimes God has already did what he's going to do, so he sent somebody to let you know. So go with them. Whatever instructions they gave you, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Don't doubt it. God sent them your way to be a blessing unto you. Sometimes people have asked, how did you know? I, look here, I just look at them some days here. I've been on the phone with people, and I told them what he sent me to tell them, and they tell me, well, how did you know? I just look at the phone like I'm crazy. You know the only, if between only you and God, and I'm telling you about it, the outcome of it, I'm telling you the instructions to get it done, how else would I know? I don't even live in your town. I don't even live in your state. So we ought to pray everywhere we go, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Don't fight with nobody about this word. Don't fight with nobody about prayer. Do not fight with nobody about God or Jesus. You just keep the faith. Don't doubt and keep going. Yeah. Acts 2, I mean, 10 and 20 says, Arise therefore again, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Got to trust God. He going to send something, someone, or something to help us out. This is why we pray that this mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. This is why we pray and ask the Lord to open our spiritual ears so we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us, the church. Open the spiritual eyes so I can see when you're moving. Father, so I don't move before you, not after you, but I move while you're moving. And I'm going to tell you some things that will move God. Faith are moving. Trust will moving. And y'all may not believe this. Money will move God. I know you know somebody said, well, now she done, I was with her when she was right, but now she done lost it. 
You know why I say money will move God? Plant a seed in good soil and see what happens. Hey, glory. Plant some money in some good seed, I mean some good soil, and see what happens. I pay my tithes and offerings over at Divine Truth and Deliverance Ministries. And when I pay my money, I don't even remember it many days because it, 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 it's what's supposed to have been done unto God. And in a little while, not very long that same day, not very long now, I'm going to see some results. And many times, it's money. Many times, he's given me a lot of times, way much more than I gave in tithes and offerings. Yeah. And I tithe and, and off everything and give an offering. Yeah. I don't work, but I have an income. Tithe off of that. Other things happen. I might sell something. Tithe off of that. If you give me something uh, to support the ministry, I'm going to tithe off of that. Yeah. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. Why? That's what his word said. Bring them tithes and offering it to the storehouse that there be need in my house. Now, open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. But see, many times we don't believe that. We, we don't truly believe the word of God because I believe this. I believe we give so that we'll have money to pay our bills. Many believe they work so they can pay bills, and I've said it too. But I found out I give. I work to give. And when I give, it calls him to give back to me. Press down, shaking over. Shaking, running together, running over. Press down, shaking together, and running over. He have others to give to me. And that way I can pay somebody electric. I can do this to do that. Which brings me to this today. We have a uh, $80 uh, situation, and I don't have the total $80, well, $100, let's say. But if I can get $80, if I can get four people to send me 20 or eight people to send me 10, either way, I mean, what I said, five people to send me 20, five people to send me 20, or uh, 10 people to send me 10, that'll make $100. And you're going to plant it as a seed. You're going to give it as a seed. And give it unto the Lord. And as you're giving, you're going to tell God what you're giving it for. You're giving it to be a blessing to someone. But Lord, I'm giving it so that this can come back for my truck note. This can come back for my car payment. This can come back for my insurance payment. Lord, you know my mortgage due. Lord, I'm giving this $20. I'm giving this $10 so that it can multiply back to me. Lord, I'm sick. And I don't have but 20, but I'm going to give this 20, and I'm giving it to be a blessing to somebody else. But, Lord, I'm giving it in, in hopes and trusting you to heal me. Because remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Huh? Glory, the evidence of things not seen. Again, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Well, who was, who was the Apostle Paul? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. Mm -hmm. They did it by faith. Abraham believed God. I don't care what nobody said or did. Abraham believed God. 
And then did anybody know Abraham was lying? <laughs> yeah. And I think Isaac did too. This king come out with his, all his people and he asked Abraham about Sarah and Abraham said that was his sister when that was his wife because she was very pretty. But God revealed it to the king and the king told Abraham, look here, you, you could have got me messed up, man. You and your, your wife and all whatever you got, y'all go on somewhere. Because you could have got me messed up with God, telling me that was your sister. I could have took her to be my wife. Abraham feared that if he told it, told the king that was his wife, that he might kill him and Sarah. But yet, God called Abraham friend because Abraham got that thing about faith. He and trust in God. Abraham got that thing right when God told him sacrifice Isaac. He was gonna take him on up there and do him, y'all. Yes, he was. God said, Abraham, hold up. Look over there in the thicket. I got a ram in the bush for you. But that showed God that Abraham was going to obey. That Abraham trusts him. Do we really trust God today? Because he loves us. Uh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hey, I'm seeing right now this morning. Trust. Is it, that's going to open the door for you. Trust is what's going to heal the day. Trust in God. Trust in God is going to pay that bill. Trust in God going to get that. Everything that you need this morning, trust in God is going to do it for you. How do I trust him? You don't understand, Bob. I got trust issues. He's not like man. He's not a God that lies. He died for us all before we got saved. When we were sinners, he yet loved us enough to die for us. So now that you come to him, if you're trusting, he's going to fix that situation. I see the Lord turning things around this morning. I'm telling you, trust God that they let it go, please. Just let it go. Stop dwelling on it. Stop thinking about it. Stop trying to fix it. Stop all that what if. And stop leaning this morning to your own understanding. Stop being wise in your own eyes. Stop thinking it's going to be like this. Stop thinking, well, what if this happen? Well, stop that. No, 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 no. It won't always be like this. Hallelujah. Hey, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is perfecting that which concerning you. Right now, right now. Hallelujah. Sooner or later, and better sooner, is working in your favor. He's turning it around for you. Right now, I feel the spirit of the Lord moving this morning. He's turning it around for you. Are you around for you? Hallelujah. Around for you. God is turning it around. Thank you, Jesus, for you. Hallelujah. I even see healing coming. If you can but trust him this morning. Oh, I know what they diagnose you with, but I can hear the spirit of the Lord. Trust, trust, trust. Trust me today. And if we can but trust him, he's doing it right now in Jesus' name. I can even see the Lord performing some service on bodies this morning. Yes, 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 yes. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, ha. Huh? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, thank you today, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you this morning for your healing power. Hey, we thank you this morning mm. for being our help in a time of a present need. Oh, we need you right now. Move by your spirit this day in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, turning it around. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord, for you. I should say for us, around for us, hallelujah, around for us, God's turning it around for us, hallelujah, hallelujah. If we're but trusting this morning, oh, he's doing it right now. I know what they said. <laughs> oh, I heard what they said. I know how you feel. I know the diagnosis he gave you at the doctor, but God is a great healer. He's the God that healeth thee. He even sent his word and his word heal. Hallelujah. Because the enemy wants you to think that's going to get you down. The enemy wants you to think, oh, it's going to get worse. No, no, sir. No weapon. Bear with me, Jared. Formed against me. Jail prosper. It won't work today and no other day. It will trust God. Hey, glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you today, Lord. Oof. I thank him that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and make our petition known unto him. Father, we speak in healing this morning. Oh, we speak in prosperity this morning. We speak in more money than we thought we were going to get. We speak in multiplication, God, that you would multiply unto us in the name of Jesus. Our motives is not that we show the Joneses. Our motives is that you showing the Joneses because you're blessing us because we trust you and we have faith in you and we hold to your word because your word is true this morning. In the name of Jesus. Are oh, you giving the job today, God? You're giving the position today and the money that goes with it. I mean, you no know, money answers all things. Money is a good thing. It's the love of it that's, <laughs> that's evil. But money can open some doors. Money can pave some ways. Hallelujah. I needed money to go to Atlanta. I mean, in Birmingham, I didn't, I didn't see no way. But he made a way. Woo! He made a way. And he don't just make ways. He he is the way. Yeah, he don't just make ways. He He's the way. The way to anything you need this morning. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I need my feet done. Guess what? He's making a way. As I'm talking to you, he's making a way. Hallelujah. Woo! You can't beat him. You can't beat God given, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, over and over again. He's going to come out on top. Yeah, because he's... He, if he loves a cheerful giver, that means he is a cheerful giver. And when he gives to us, it makes him happy. You don't, be, you don't give nothing grudgefully. And if he don't want to give it, he's not giving it. And he, he won't make no excuse. Yeah, if it, if it will work together for your good, he'll let you have it. If it's going to cause heartache, pain, or sorrow, he's not going to give it. 
And see, one thing about him, he don't have to give it and say nothing. He don't have to give an excuse. <laughs> he don't have to give an answer. He don't have to give a reason. He just didn't do it. It's up to you to figure it out. What a mighty God. Then he'll give it, and he don't even tell you why he gave it. I just assume, Lord, you gave it because I needed it. You gave it because I asked for it. I have not because I ask not this. I don't care what it is today. You want the big Bentley? Huh? You want the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy? You want to get married? Get Go ahead and ask God and trust him today. A lot of times God don't do for us because of what, what we're not yet and what we haven't done yet. And what we're not thinking about doing yet. Sometimes a woman wants a husband and she's ready to be a wife. She feels that way, but feeling and being is two different things. I feel rich. <laughs> when I go over there to Wells Fargo, they'll tell me now. <laughs> uh, now that may be coming, but it happened, the deposit haven't hit the account yet. Okay? I'm rich. And it's coming. The money is coming. I'm talking about millions. But until it get here, I got to wait. I got to tear until it comes. Oh, I spend all the time. I'm talking about big money. Yeah. I'll I, I, I be a... Yeah. I spend big money. Yeah. In the spirit. Because I know it's coming. Oh, it's going to hit natural after a while. Yeah. It won't always be like this. I'm telling you. God is perfecting that. Perfecting it. Which concerning you. For sooner or later. More sooner than later. Is working for your favor. In your favor. He's turning it around for you. Yeah, I know the devil told you you wouldn't get it. I know the devil told you in your face this, this, and that. He's a lie. He's the father of all lies. Told the first lie. Hmm. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. And my light. Ooh, a light to shine in darkness. It showed me the way to go, even on the darkest road. And yet, though I walk through the valleys of shadows of death, I don't have to fear even while he's with me. I can remember walking up and down the hotel hall, and I could feel something behind me. <laughs> One time I looked back, wasn't nothing there, but I know it wasn't natural, it was spiritual. People done died and all kind of evils done, yeah. But you know, I walk, hallelujah, Jesus, through the valleys of the shadows of death, I fear no evil. And sometimes people don't realize leadership in the church and leadership in God, they have battles to fight. It's not just about uh, what I know, what God speaks, the word of God. It's some battles, there's spiritual battles that the leadership have to fight. But people don't understand there's a lot of work to be done. Oh, I got to tell you about this. I think I had ordered breakfast from somewhere. Could have been Duncan's and Somewhere else. I think it was McDonald's. I, I ordered a McChicken sandwich, a biscuit. 
and a cup of coffee, and I ordered a croissant and something else for lunch so I could kill two birds with one stone and I wouldn't have to concern myself for lunch. Well, the man brought it. I, I don't usually open the door that quick. They hang it on the door, and when they walk away, I open the door. But guess what? I opened the door, and he was standing there with the bag. And I said, oh, you scared me. He said, oh, I'm sorry. He didn't mean to startle me. But anyway, we got the bag. We started talking about some things. And come to find out he was a minister. And he got a friend that do, I think it's gospel rap, and they call him Big Prophet. And we exchanged numbers and everything, and he said he would have uh, the prophet to get in touch with, the Big Prophet. And uh, he would be in touch because I, I said, as a minister, I'd like to bring you to the morning show. Told him all about Jesus in the morning, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And so we had a little bit of back and forth talk, you know. But let me tell you, that was one of the weirdest things I ever seen. Strange, I'm going to call it. Not weird. I'm going to call it strange. But no matter where you go, there's work. If God saved you, if he called you, if he chose you for anything, there is work to be done. You just got to be open. A lot of times when God do it, we shock because we're not used to working. It didn't shock me. I just knew what it was, work I had to do. And he was just showing me some things. Yeah. I can hear that. I can hear it. I can hear it. It won't always be like this. I can hear that. God is perfecting that which concerning you. Sooner or later, it'll work in your favor. Sooner than later, I'm telling you, he's turning it around for you. Right now, around for you. Around for you. God's turning it around for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for turning it around for us, all in the name of Jesus. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Sister Bada. I am well. I am well. I wasn't going to press one, but I thought about it, and I said, Lord, how can you wake me and I not just say good morning and thank you? So good morning everyone, and thank God for a new day. Thank God that my household came through the storm when many households didn't. Thank God I was not in that number that many, many died in. So I just want to tell God thank you. I just want to the life, strength, and oh, most gracious God, I've come before you today <laughs> with sins and unsins, knowing and not knowing. But I do know one thing that I don't know, or I didn't know when I was young. I went to sleep with on my mind. Yeah. I did not know who I was and who I belonged to in my 20s. But when I got to my 50s, Lord, you showed me I was your child. And this world is not my choice, it's your will. 
So I thank God for his will that he's doing for me and in me. In Jesus' name, amen this morning. Amen. Amen, Sister Jerry. We just got to let go and let God have his way. Because, see, we lean into our own understanding many days. We've been wise in our own eyes because we think it's going to come out like this. If I do that, it's going to do. Look here. You don't know the plan God has for you. Not not when you go back with him, but right here on the earth. Your eyes have not seen. Hey, glory. Your eyes are shut. Your ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into your heart the things that God got in store for you right where you are. Oh, I know what they said. Some said you wouldn't make it. They said you wouldn't be here today. Some done lied on you. Ridiculed your name. And folks like to listen to negative more than positive. But God has already fixed it concerning you sooner or later. And I say sooner. It'll work in your favor. Hey, he's turning it around. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for you. Today, 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 he's turning it around for you. We just got to believe God. Oh, I feel the spirit of the Lord moving for you this morning. And if you can trust him, it's already done. It's already done in the spirit, so saith the Lord. You just need to praise him now. You just need to give God the sincere praise that he deserves. Go on and praise and worship him. But I would praise him like I lost my mind. Because he already did it for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a done deal. The earth is his. I want you to hear me this morning. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything and everybody, including that devil, belong to God. He can have his way any way he chooses. He can do whatever it is he want to do. Whatever God want to do in your life for you. It's not according to what the boss man said. It's not according to what the doctor said. It's not according to what your family said. How I many know sometimes family will put you down? Good, he done told you you got that. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. Now, don't tell me what's going to happen next. I already know. I serve a risen Savior. I serve Almighty God that have all power. <laughs> hey, I serve Jehovah. He's my rock. <laughs> hey, my shot in a weary land. He's my shelter in the time of storm. Hey, he's on my side. I know you don't like me. It's okay. God loves me. And I'm going with who loved me this morning. I'm going with who suffered, hung, bled, and died for me. Who went down, conquered all, and rose with all power. I'm going with the one that when I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And now that he called me, he drew me out of the world. Oh, I'm going to have better days. Ooh, better days are coming. I want you to know this. Bye and bye. Now when you reach that city way up in the sky, right here on the earth, better days are coming for you sooner than you think. I need you to believe God and trust him this morning. Oh, he's going to turn this week around for you. Yeah, I can see some smiles on faces. I'm telling you. I see the doctor undoing some diagnosis that he gave you because he don't have the last word over your illness. 
God have the last word over that body. I saw him performing surgery this morning. Let me tell you something. Right there in Birmingham, Alabama, I went to church one Sunday. Listen, y'all, I was sick as a dog. I never forget it. I had on gold and black. And I was sick. These during the days when I dressed up to go to church, you know. And hair all did up and everything. And I went on to church. And I used to like shoes made out of the same material as the dress. Bishop called me out. And when I didn't even feel like getting up out the chair to go up to him. And I walked on up that. And when I walked up that, he, I think he laid hands on my stomach. And that's not him. He'll call me or some other woman to lay hands on a woman with stomach problems, uh, breast problems. But he laid hands. And he commenced to pray. I went out under the power. <laughs> now, this before I really learned the ways of God. And this before... I really grew in him. I was a new babe in Christ. I went out on the floor, and when I was out, I know the Lord was performing surgery. I'm out under the power, but I could feel it. I know it, it wasn't Bishop. It wasn't nobody else in the building. Not no human being, but he was performing surgery. And when I woke up, I come to, I'm looking around. I'm on the floor. Out. Face up, the back of my head on the floor, my eyes up to the ceiling. I'm looking around while I'm laying down. I said, which one of them hit me? I said, they hit me so hard, they knocked me out. <laughs> I said, I was a young babe in Christ. And uh, the ushers come and help me up. Bishop was going on with it. You hear me? Bishop was going on about his business. He was cutting rug, praising God. And when he looked and saw me get up off the floor, he really did a double dash. I said, well, go on and cut it, Bishop. And I went on, but I said to myself, now, whoever knocked me out, I'm going to knock him out. And then it come to me. You wasn't knocked out crazy. Did you feel like God was doing a surgery inside your stomach? He was healing you. I said, oh, my goodness, Lord, I'm learning. I'm a slow learner, but I'm learning. So I had to go through some things to learn some things. I wasn't sick that Sunday because of what I had done. I was sick that Sunday so that God can teach me his ways of healing. He could teach me the supernatural things he could do, the spiritual work that he could do in your body. And the same thing he can do in your body, he can do it in your mind. He can heal your mind. He can perform a surgery in your mind. This is why we praying for people. And we praying for the minds of people because there's a lot of confusion going on in this world. They call it right, wrong, wrong, right. It's like the world flipped upside down, but God will not be mocked. You're not going to mock him now. Where your God? No, don't do that. Please don't do that because he'll show up and show you where he at. And he'll be over there tearing your house up. Uh-huh. Your love want to be gone. Yeah. Because he's not to be played with. They sung a song way back in the day that said, you better find yourself a toy. And I'm telling you today, if you want to play, get yourself a toy. Don't play with God. And he need us to believe him today. 
He need us to trust it. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I don't care what you need because he supplied me, and I don't care what you want this morning. You want money? He's a provider. You want money? He can supply you. I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. Even before I got retirement money, I retired in 206. And I knew I wouldn't get no money that, that early on. But to just walk by faith. See, I walk by faith and not by sight. I retired. And so I'm not clocking. I, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to clock out on nobody else's job. Nobody else's time clock. I don't want to work for man no more. I only want to work for you. He opened the door. I come off the job. Never missed a rent payment because I was renting at that time. I didn't have a mortgage. Never Electric never went off. Water never went off. Refrigerator never empty. And if it was, that's because I wanted to fast. And listen, all kind of things come up. Remember the ladies in the in the in the Costco's or the Winn-Dicks grocery stores or any grocery store, and they give out free samples of food that they cook. They 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 cook the little chicken right here, and you got to taste the chicken and see as a consumer. You want whether or not you wanted to buy it for your family. I was that lady with the black hairnet on, the black pants, the white shirt, or the black skirt and the white shirt and the black apron. Those people gave me a card with so much money, thousands and thousands of dollars. Anything you need, you buy it off this card. They sent the, the, the equipment that I need to my front door through UPS. And on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, I would go do those demonstrations. They paid me, I think it was $80 a day to do the demonstration. So that was one sixty on the weekend, every weekend. And they didn't skip a beat with giving me the weekend work. And by most uh, uh, Saturday or Sunday, 3 o'clock, I'm gone. I'm on my way home with my money. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Then they would call me sometimes and say, hey, you want to go do a, a a survey for us? I said, with Taco Bell. Just go over to Taco Bell and buy this, 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 and try it. And when you get home, get on the computer and tell us what it was. And they paid me for all of this. I was retired. I didn't know where no money was going to come from. Listen. God opened the door and gave me unemployment. I drew unemployment for at least two years straight. Do you hear me? And one of the unemployment workers in Tallahassee called me. She said, hey, Mr. Obama just gave you a bunch of money, and I just had to call you and tell you. Watch your bank account because any minute now it's going to drop. Later on that afternoon, that $3,000 hit my bank account. And the just should live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I didn't know where it was coming from, but I knew it was coming. God brought me off the job because I asked to come off. And my 1998 Ford Contour, you couldn't tell me nothing. (laughs) Sister Dot, I didn't need you talking to me about nothing. My Ford Contour was paid for. 
I had new ties on it and everything. I took it and washed it every Saturday and waxed it up clean on the inside. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I felt like I was living high on the hog, as they say. Had a studio apartment. When I moved in, I had no furniture. The boss man mama uh, 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 gave me the furniture to go in there. Little love, feebly, little TV, you know. Oh, God bless me. God bless me. I opened my door. People was coming back. They getting prayer. All of that. <laughs> I, I had eight biological children. But the children coming back there for Christmas. The Christmas tree bigger than the living room almost. And almost to halfway up the tree, nothing but gifts that I bought for my family. He brought me off the job. I'm telling you what he'll do. The songwriter said he will bring me out all right every time, over and over and over again. But you got to have faith and you got to trust God. When I lived in the project, I used to tell myself, I say, so what? If they cut the lights off, so what? I'm just going to have me a candlelight service in here. I'm going to have a candlelight praise service. It's going to raise the roof on this thing. Lights never went off. I think they went off one time. I went to uh, Alaska. I think I went to Alaska to see Shantae. And when I come back, the electric was off. And I was like, what my electric was off for? And the people said, well, you didn't pay the bill. I'm like, I didn't pay my light bill. Oh, no, that I forgot to pay the bill. Had the money, but forgot. God opened the door, and he made a way. You see? We cannot beat God-given, no matter how hard you try. See, we try to beat him given by sitting around wondering, by sitting around leaning to our own understanding, by sitting around being wise in our own eyes. We're trying to outbeat him. You won't do it that way. You're just going to stress yourself out. I let it go. And sometimes we're concerned about what folk won't say. Folk who won't give you $2 to pay nothing. I can't worry about what you say about me and you won't give me nothing to pay nothing over here with. Yeah, my life went off because I didn't have the money to pay it and you didn't give me two pennies. But you're going to call your friend, child. You know her life, off. You know how they do. But I'm just leaning on Jesus because that's the everlasting arm. Look, his arms never give out. He never get tired. His eyes are in every place. He's beholding the evil and the good. See, we need the truth today. We need to get somewhere in Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Guess what? He's going to bring you into a place you never thought you would be. And the just shall live by faith this morning. We don't want nothing to do with doubt. We want to trust God. I'm telling you, I see it this morning. Healing, yes, I do. Hey, my shot. Hey, girl, that thing make me happy right there. I see money being handed out, stacks. You know what a stack is, don't you? The money that's got the band around it. The bank put a band around it. Sometimes it's, it's one dollar bills, but it's a thousand of them in a stack. Sometimes it's ten thousand dollars in one stack. According to your faith, be it unto you this morning. According to what you believe. Hey, glory. Hey, glory. Hey, glory. Hey, yeah, yeah. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Your healing, I don't care what they told you. Oh, we got to take your stomach out. We're going and have it. Can you feed me through a tube? They're not going to take no stomach. They're not going to cut on you. They're not going to really send you to no more chemo. You're not going to go through. Listen, trust God today. If you trust and never doubt, I know God will bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Oh, leave them there this morning. Leave them there. Hey, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Thank you, Jesus. If you trust and never doubt, I know God will bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing for your people this morning, God. We trust you today, God. You all we have. Oh, we know no other God. You're almighty God that have all power. Father, move in a special way today, quickly, quickly. We know you to be a right now God. And Lord, we know tears don't move you, God, but we know the praises that move you, and we praise and we worship you right now. But Father, we believe when our praises go up, sincere praise to you, that you send down your blessings, uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles. Oh, these things don't come all the time. Hallelujah. Do it for your people this morning. In the name of Jesus, set them free today in their minds. We bind up stress. We bind up anxiety. We bind up anxiousness. God, we bind up every spirit that's not like you trying to work in the minds of your people. And we lose freedom to them of faith, God. We lose trust to them. Hallelujah. We lose more hope to them than they've ever had. In the name of Jesus, today, oh God, October the 3rd, 2022, in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you right now, God. <laughs> Woo! We thank, I feel freedom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say it's done. It is well. Hallelujah. With my soul. God is saying it to yourself. It is well. It is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful unto God for moving this morning. Oh, y'all have no clue. Y'all have no clue. And I thank him for moving in this way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm fifty dollars short. I'm fifty dollars short of the eighty. Hallelujah. Fifty more dollars and I got it. Listen, I'm going to this song right here. We have about three minutes. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to pray out and we'll use the last song of the morning um as the next request. Yeah, I'm gonna get your request in today, but we're gonna use it as the last song of the morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. For all that has been said and done this morning, thank you for your word. Thank you for hearing and asking prayers. Father, most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for being on our side today in spite of us. Thank you for looking beyond our fault, Father, and yet meeting our needs. We thank you for the many blessings that still falling this morning and the uncommon miracles that are still falling on your people this morning. We thank you, Lord. And, Father, we ask that you would open every door. 
uh, in the name of Jesus. As we depart this morning, bless our going out, bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives today according to your riches and glory by your son Christ Jesus. And Father, we trust you right now and we believe, asking it in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves the children. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, October the 3rd, 2022, in Jesus' name. We're going to the last song, and after this song, I won't be coming back. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. But one of them cried out to him, Oh, Lord, remember me. Hallelujah. of Calvary, the Lord was crucified, the mob stood round about him, and they mocked him until he died, and there were two things. Hanging down beside him Just to share The agony But one of them One of them Cried out to him Oh Lord Remember me Oh what Shame to kill him out there on that old rugged cross. But such a death was needed just to rescue all of us that was lost. Just a step The captain's free I know I know That I'm included hey, I know God We all Remember me